Hi, and welcome to episode 411 of the MWA podcast. Yes, we have all your information today with Rex Hansen. And Rex is sharing with us the five tips and tricks he has learned at North Bennett Street School. And I'm also joined by my co-hosts, Sean and Mark. But most of all, if you want to hear more about Rex and all his second semester experiences there at North Bennett Street School, be sure to check out his interview on episode 410. So before we get started with you, Rex, um, do we have a Patreon shout out for this episode? We sure do. We like to always give a good uh, shout out to our Patreon supporters. Today, we're shouting out John Marine. John, thank you so much for supporting us. And if you, dear listener, would like to be like John, you can find us on patreon.com slash MWA podcast and support us there. Fantastic. Yeah. Thanks, John. So, Rex, let me uh, just jump right into this. What's your number one tip and or trick? My number one tip and trick is know what tools you're going to use for the day and sharpen them in the morning. It will make your life so much easier. Is that oh. is that something that you 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 you? I mean, obviously, you probably picked it up at North Bennett. Um, so you you go like, okay, my day's plan is to cut dovetails. So Correct. I'm going to sharpen my paring chisels, right, or or whatever, yeah. you know. Yeah, and and the reason is is it was interesting when when I started in the first semester at North Bennett, um, I was probably like my my tools were probably after we got through the sharpening part, my tools were probably second second sharpest. There was someone that was way sharper than me. Okay. Mm. Well, let me let me put it this way: it, not way sharper, but if you take a plain iron and you, you say you're taking your four and a half or your five and a half plane and you're going across a board, he and I both could shave end grain off of a board. It was it okay. Was no, it's not that different. But when we're when we're going to get like if we're going with the grain, I might get it two thousandths or three thousandths where he's sub one thousand. Okay, that's that's mm. what I mean. Is you could just feel in his, you know. Two two thousandths of a or two mil is about the thickness. I think the dollar bill is about three or four mil, and mm-hmm. and mine would be about dollar bill size, maybe a little thinner. But his, you could it was toilet papers thin. Okay, mm-hmm. I mean we're talking we're talking department store cheap toilet paper thin. Not, yeah, I was about to say, are we are we talking COVID <laughs> toilet paper thin? We're not talking we're not talking Charmin here. We're talking yeah, it's, it's my office. So got it, got it. Yeah, yeah. what is it? That's oh, the John Wayne toilet paper. Well, that's kind of how, and so everybody else was. They could kind of make their plane work, and it was a little sharper, but it wasn't quite like that. Okay, now everybody in this semester, it's just a given in your second semester that you're going to be sharp, and everybody kind of just over that first semester and using their tools and learning how to sharpen because you can't just learn that in a day. It's something you got to practice, practice, practice. And so by by mid semester, everybody's sharp. Everybody's cutting end grain with their hand planes. It's not a big. It's just something that. So, mm-hmm. what we do is, you know, I mean, and I learned this in the business world. It was always it was always advantageous to me to write down what I needed to do the next day. Now, in the business world, I'd be lucky if I got one of those things done. But <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say you're 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 you were far more productive than me. But no, it sounds like you were about exactly productive. I need to do these five things and. I got number three done. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know? yeah. in the business world, you get interrupted a lot, but at school, you don't get interrupted so much yeah. because you're, you're made to focus on, on, especially since I'm really only taking one class that just lasts five days a week and it goes from seven to five, you know? So mm-hmm. it's not like I got to juggle a lot of balls here. So I, I mm-hmm. can able to do that. So I, 
I go in there and I say, okay, I'm going to, I need to cut my dovetails. And we're going to say, okay, I need to have these pairing chisels sharpened. I go, I also have some half blinds. So I got some chisels that have their, their tailored to clean out the half blinds. And so I goes, I got to make sure those are all tuned up. So when I get to it, man, it, it, a sharp tool is making life easier even. And so the, the goal is, is learn how to take it and learn how to sharpen your tool that it's sharp for what you're doing you know, in a few minutes, not a half hour. Yeah. It's so, a touch right. up, right? It's not it, like it, a yeah, rehab. <laughs> you, you know, once you flatten the back of your chisel, it should take you two, three minutes to touch up your chisel to be able to cut with it to, it, to where it's clean. It'll cut. And the way I, I always test mine, not everybody does at school, but uh, when we started out, Jamie Pope, uh, one of the fabulous instructors gave me a piece of northern white pine which is pretty soft and if you go to mm-hmm. cut, you go to cut the end grain if you're not getting any tear out you're sharp yeah mm-hmm. yeah it's I, like a little litmus test yeah you're you're really sharp so i always pull that out and do a little quick check yep. and and then i know it but I, I you know most of my fellow students have lost their little board and so i don't know that they do that but um, i i do it and it, it makes my life so much easier because a sharp tool is easier to use you have less resistance you it's safer to use and mm-hmm. so i sharpen in the morning before i do the day's activities it's just kind of mm-hmm. it's a little it kind of clears my head to to get to get in the mode now do you do stropping during your sessions i don't okay and, and and the reason is i guess we can include this in the tip if you go to lost art press and you um search under lost art press's website because i don't have it memorized it's probably sitting on my desk right here in front of me somewhere. But if you search for grit or um, sharpening stone grit or something, there's a, a fellow that gave it to Chris Schwartz and he has this chart. And all he did is he went through the manufacturer's data for um, Norton's, Shapton's. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I think Norton has polishing compound, DMT. I mean, any sharpening stuff I can pretty much figure, he put it on a spreadsheet. And back in the day, either I knew how to convert it or it was available in the spreadsheet because then I would add to it. I've only added one or two simple little things to it ever. And I've had this chart for probably, oh, I don't know, five years. And um, and it's copyrighted, you know, but it's free to use and it's free to give out. It's just don't claim it as yours. And so mm-hmm. what happens is when you start getting into the grits that you put on your stropping stuff, I'm down at about 8,000 or 16,000 in a Shapton stone. And I learned how to sharpen on Shapton. And so I'm at the same grit, but I don't have to worry about the flexure that you get with your your strops. However, the, okay. the person who is sharpest in my class Mm-hmm. is diamond stones and then he strops so mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure you can get there using oil stones using water stones using ceramic stones um and using diamond stones it's just that which one do you like and some you know shapton's ceramic stones will get you a little faster there than oil stones because it takes off faster but i think you can get there with any of those stones and with you know people like to strop i don't frown at it because my classmates so good at sharpening and he's pretty mm-hmm. I, I've always been resistant to stropping just because it dubs the edge. You know, like it, yes, it's sharp and it's polished, but it takes a hollow grind and starts turning it into a convex shape. Yeah, that's, that's, shape. that's, that's, that's why I don't like it. But I, I, you know, I have a friend that um, doesn't hollow grind. He taught me to hollow grind years ago, but now he doesn't hollow grind. He just uses the flat bevel, um, but he doesn't strop as well. And 
he's the sharpest I've ever met. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I get it. dropping for carving tools, you know, like round. But I like, I like, I, I stop carving tools. I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, but I don't hollow grain my carving tools. I do right. hollow grain my tools and plain irons just because yeah. it's easier for me to fill that two point on the stone than it is for me to fill the whole bevel. Mm -hmm. If I only have You're two, handy. I can freehand sharpen it. I feel that bevel so much easier. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was just curious. Uh, I'm a stropper. So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> like it and it works for you. Go for it. Exactly. I think that's the point is, yeah, find something that works for you and, and stay with it. But yeah, I, I tend to strop all my tools and it can be, you know, well, it all depends on what I'm doing. But um, for the most part, it can be, you know, a long time before I have to go back to the stones by mm -hmm. stropping. But now, am I dubbing the edges over a little bit? Could be. Could but, be. Right. Well, you could, you as long could... as I'm getting good results, you know, hey. Well, we were talking to Wilbur Pan about this and if your stones are there and they're out, yep. you could do a quick touch up on the stones at about the same amount of time you would use to strop. Yep. And, you know, you're not taking every time you go back to the stone, you don't have to start from the courses. Oh, no, no. You know, no, so I never do. I usually, I, I usually, yeah, when I go back to the stones, I usually start with the finest grit and see if that's working yeah. or not. Yeah. That's one of those that. ridiculous <laughs> arguments, you know. Kyle, yeah. I think hey, it's a sharpening. This is a sharpening argument. Okay, we're <laughs> yeah. Twenty minutes later, we're still on tip one. You know. Well, <laughs> let me let me end with this, Kyle. I think you had the right thing. As Matt Kinney told me a long time ago, and he doesn't know he told me this, but it was it was probably on Shop Talk. But he um said, just pick a method and stick with it till it works. Yeah. And if you want to try something else, try it. But they all, I'm pretty convinced because I've been a class of forty, and everybody's using different methods. They're all yeah. They're all getting there, okay? So yeah, it, it'll work, but it, just stay with it. Don't tweak. If you keep changing, you're never gonna get good at one. Sharpening it, monotony. You know what's, yeah, it, you know what's yeah exactly. And I've heard that works. And what's strange for me is I do have the sharpening monogamy, but I have it by tool. Right. I have probably four or five different sharpening techniques in my shop, and it all depends on what tool it is on what system I use. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is kind of weird, but hey, it works for me. Well, I mean, you, <laughs> sure. you want a different yeah. result for the edge, right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. Tools you know, aren't meant to be used like planes and chisels, and yeah, it's whether you're doing yeah. carving tools or yeah. you got um, knives. Yeah, you got knives or you got um, like scorps or travishers oh, yeah. that have a curved edge. You know, all those things need to be treated a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. Draw yeah. knives; those are fun. Yeah, draw knives yeah. are fun. Yeah. Anyway, so what's your number <laughs> two tip? <laughs> number two okay i'm i i have I, and i'm not going in in order of importance or impact because if i had to this is probably one of the the biggest ones to me is north bennett taught me how to reduce the stress and and, and i believe everybody feels stressed during glue up okay mm -hmm. we're talking about like stress on your brain and your body right not on the wood not on the wood but okay. we're going to yeah. talk about how to yeah. stress the wood but yeah, you lose a few uh, IQ points when the glue's put on. <laughs> that glue comes out. The, yeah. the, your hands freeze. Whatever it is, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. And for for the truth of the matter is, it kind of doesn't bother me. My stress level, I'm it, the glue up doesn't bother me. I figured, hey, worst case scenario, I cut it apart and re-glue it. Okay. But we don't, you know, making furniture here. Rarely do we have twenty-two inch wide 
mahogany boards that we get to make stuff out. We're always gluing up panels, always. It's just seems right. like always gluing up. So what we do, reduce your life by learning how to make a spring joint to glue up two boards using a butt joint and one clamp. Learn how to do it. And the way we do it is we, um, there's enough out there on spring joints. I'm not going to talk about that. But really what you're doing is you're making your, your board, you're going to cup together, put together, they're a little bit cupped, maybe a thousandth of an inch or something small. So when you clamp them together, they hold in place. So what we do is we'll put those, we'll, we'll, we'll set everything up. But nearby, we have a steel I-beam bar clamp. Okay, it's one mm-hmm. that's, got a, that's got a crank on the end of it. I mean, it can really put a lot of force on your board, all right? Yeah, one of those old school bargains. One of those old school ones. But uh, Pony Jorgensen makes makes them brand new. You still get them, yeah. okay? okay? And I'm, I'm not saying they're inex- inexpensive, but I tried buying some old ones at one time, and believe it or not, the new ones are either priced equal or less than the old ones. And and mm. and we at school here have gotten mostly the the old ones before Pornig Jerk and so on. Not the really old ones, but we have the orange ones. All um, right. And we have a few sets of the new ones, and we like the new ones too. So just have one of those hand by, and then if you want to, maybe six-inch little F-clamps, two, two, one for each end. So what you do is you take that spring joint, you put them, you put the two boards together, and you dry clamp everything and see how things see how things fit so you took the two little six inch clamps put it one at each end so that your joint at the end your boards are evens Does that makes sense mm-hmm. okay flush. so the, they're flush they're flush yeah, flush yeah. The best way to say it, flush and then you take that that clamp that i-beam clamp and then put it in the middle so these boards could be five feet long okay then you have a spring joint in the middle you take that i-beam clamp and you close it up to where you can't it looks like you can't see the joint and then you can take the clamps off the ends and if you can move those two boards you either don't have your clamp tight enough or your spring joints not made correctly and so we clamp we we do panel clamp ups with just one clamp in the end and and they come out beautiful and um the goal is to make it so that you have to look for your joint in your boards mm-hmm. rather than readily see it. And so, I mean, it, it, it using only one clamp instead of four of them. Um, I talked last time, one of my tips was make sure you get some glue calls so you can hold your boards, you know, three inches off your bench. But um, that one bar, that one trick right there is so handy. I can't tell you, we, when someone says, I got to glue up my board, boom, they're done. In fact, the, the guy I talked about in my interview, that was a diplomat. That is a diplomat, son. Um, man, he was just gluing up stuff the other day, and he just knocked out four of them. Where you know, I don't even know if he'd ever held a bar clamp twelve months ago. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, are well, you using uh, hand plane to make the spring joints, or a joiner, or both? Well, either either one. That okay. the students have their options. Um, okay. I kind of like using the hand plane just because it's kind of fun to do it. Mm-hmm. But. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guy next to me goes to the joiner and does it. And so mm-hmm. um, either one will work. You're only going to make a couple of passes. You just push your board down a little bit harder. And right. so the way I do it is I say it, you do it the same way. So let's just pretend it's a joiner. I, I join it flat so that it's true mm-hmm. and square. And then when I go to I go to join it again, I just let it go over. But when we get to the middle, maybe if see it's a five foot board or let, let's make yeah. a change, make it a three foot board. For about six inches, I push down a little harder in that middle right. six. Then the next pass, I do it again, and I push down about that same amount at about 12 inches in the middle. So it's, uh, what did I say, three inches? So mm-hmm. 
one foot not pressed down, one foot I press down, one foot I don't. And I do it eight, I do it one, two, three. I do the yeah. same thing. It might be so I have these concave things, but you don't want them very big. So don't press down tremendously yeah. hard. Yeah. Well, so you get your spring joint, but there's I'm sure there's like 30 videos on oh YouTube. yeah yeah I've, I've seen yeah and articles out there on how to how to make them yeah i just wondered what what technique you preferred whether it be power or hand plane so yeah doesn't, that's cool doesn't matter either one or either one work yeah now the other thing is oh what i do on my hand plane is i put the two boards together so they're side by side in my vice and then yeah. if i screw up on my angle a little exactly bit, yeah and i can just put them they just match when i put them together yeah and you can do the same thing on the joiner yeah Better make yeah, sure yeah, you're doing the right way. <laughs> you're gonna do it that way, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, you yeah. could get a little tear out, but you know, that's what you got the uh, you know the uh, spiraled um, the helical cutters, the hel oh, helical cutters the for. Plane. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know how to put a spring joint in a board with a jo power joiner. I'd have to go look that up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's just only varying your pressure board. as you go as you run the board across. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Now I wouldn't know how to do it with the handheld power jointers. Oh though. no, yeah, Probably, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't try that. I've Let's never used that. one, so I wouldn't know how to use. Yeah, one. I've never used one either, but I've seen some people using it for a couple of techniques. I went, you know, if I had one of those, that might be nice. <laughs> <laughs> I I love using them for shaping, like taking yeah. big big chunks of wood out. But I don't mm -hmm. think I would use it for finish, like you know, detail work. Scared it would scare me for that. Yeah, yeah yeah so well well that's cool so what so you, you said you're gluing these up and clamping them um what are y'all using for for glue oh, that's a it, does it vary across the board Everything. or it yeah. varies across the board so okay um, yeah i figured it would i'm i'm you know i got turned on to the liquid high glue and i just used that for everything whether it be the tight bond version or the old uh brown uh, glue version but mm -hmm. um yeah i just use that for everything and i pretty much i've given up type on basically unless i'm doing something that's going to be outside that i need to use type on three for not even butt joints not even butt joints i use wow. the high glue because most yeah. of the time i'm clamping stuff up and i'm leaving it overnight so uh, it doesn't, okay yeah. yeah yeah i'm not trying to get to it in an hour yeah i use three uh, but yeah. I, I will use i i this year i started using um tight bond hide glue but the old blonde glue is just as is fine as well and mm -hmm. um, i i thought, yeah either are fine yeah yeah i thought when i got to north bend it would be uh high the old you know traditional hide glue but oh yeah we get it out for marketry or things that you may want to readily have to take apart if, if you goof up okay but for panel glue ups it's it's a lot of people use the original i use three because you got some you know it's like it's just like tight bond uh long set or something you got a lot more open time with tight bond three i mm -hmm. like i like the brown color because it tends to match wood a little better and yeah. i like that it's water resistant um what i don't like is it's a little more expensive mm -hmm. yeah. yeah yeah i think right now if i went to my shop yeah that's all i have is uh some version of liquid high glue or type bond three and of course epoxy I think if I had, <laughs> if I took a survey and went from bench to bench, I would see probably more type on two than anything. Else. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a good all around glue. I'm not knocking it. Like I'm just saying what, what I use. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to go to the next one? Yes. Sure. All right. Um, in recent years, it's become very much in fashion 
to drive and it, but but it's but this is something that's been around since the 17th century because i have pictures of old blanket chest or chests with panels that you use square pegs for their drawbore pins that hold their tenons in place. and one of the things that i had trouble with is um trying to keep those square pegs so that they were true vertically you know that they weren't tilted one way or another and uh, one of my instructors told me that if i used an open end wrench on my quarter inch uh, <laughs> square peg and i could hold it while i drove it with a hammer and that would hold it true and um, lo and behold that's what people are using and and, and it does work so a simple little <laughs> solution to hold your square pegs in place while you're driving them so they stay vertical and they don't get a little bit tilted yeah that is absolutely fantastic um, i i wish i would have known that a few years ago <laughs> during your green and green phase uh a whole bunch of phases but yeah yeah um that is absolutely fantastic uh tip and yeah that's worth the price of admission right there so there you go it, anyway yeah appreciate that well wow. then wrench will, will make your day a little easier that's pretty cool yeah it's it's like one of those things yeah you're driving something you need something to hold it and you know keep it true as you pound it in and it's like everyone's trying to you know do english with the hammer as they hit it you know? <laughs> <laughs> a little a little twist of the wrist a little yeah, little, yeah. Oh, that is fantastic cool a good quick one so rex what's your uh next tip um i am going to suggest that one of the greatest things, um, I, I have this procedure that has been taught to me over the last two semesters, and I've kind of combined things from different instructors. So when I'm going to the lumber yard, one is I want to be fresh. So I go in the morning, um, mm -hmm. be it Friday or Saturday, I go in the morning, and I'm there when they open, okay? Mm. And I want to be fresh. I, I uh, You, you want to be fresh, you want them to be hungover. Yeah, <laughs> I'll leave you alone. <laughs> no, I, I could say for the tip, pick a good lumber yard and form a really good re form a relationship with. Him. Sure, so yeah. walk in there. He goes, "Hey Rex," and they say, and I say, "Hey Jay, how you doing?" You know. Yeah. And, um, I kind of have that with one here in the east, and I do have that with one in Idaho, and I was seeing there's probably another one that you know. It's always good to have two because not everybody has the stock that you need. Sometimes the if you need quarter sawn or something specially like Wenge or something, one may have it and one may not. So you mm -hmm. may want to have another one in your pocket. But what I what what has really helped me in the past is I have a stock list that says this is what these parts need to be. And at North Bennett, we have a rough and a final stock list. And if you want to know what the difference of those is, you can go back to the original interview I did with these fine fellows. <laughs> and um, the rough stock list in short is pieces are one inch longer than the final stock list and a half inch wider and a quarter inch thicker. And when I go with that, I, I know the, the minimum width of a board. And so if I'm looking for chorus on white oak and i know the minimum width i have because there's no way in your stock list you can say well all my boards have to be eight inches thick and you go to the lumber yard and you find out well they got three four six and they don't have anything bigger than six so you can't really guess that and if in i've tried you can try and call them they're not going to go walk out there and look and then come back and tell you they're not that i haven't met one yet nice enough to do that okay they just say oh we got you know, 3,000 board feet of white oak. Yeah, we got white oak. Well, how wide? Uh, it ranges between Random this width. 
<laughs> right. Random widths. So, but by having this in my hand and knowing the minimum width, I can go out there and pull boards much faster. And so just to have that in hand, it saves me a lot of time. And I don't know if you want to add on to this one tip, but I always take a tape measure. I always take a hand plane with me. I always mm-hmm. take um, Dixon lumber crayons, which you can buy a case for not very much. And I got tuned on to that by uh, a lumber man that lent me his so I can show him where I wanted my boards cut because I had to fit the boards into uh, an SUV. I didn't have a pickup truck. And so I had to get it, get my 12 foot boards cut in half. And I had to show him where I wanted them cut so it wasn't going to interfere with my parts. Um, and I marked my boards for parts right there. They're rough marked but I know what I can get out of them and where my pieces are. And rarely do I ever say, I mean, I had a colleague or a fellow student the other day that uh, got all said and done. He didn't have enough money for his panels on his, on his mm. blanket chest. And I rarely, I usually have a little bit extra just in case I goof up, but, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, that's what I do. But the, the tip is, is have that stock list with you, go there early in the morning. And it usually takes me, depending on the project size, it can take me a couple of hours to find the boards because usually they're not at the top of the pile. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So before you take us home with the fifth one, um, which plane are you taking and how do you often use it? I take a number four Wood River hand plane. Um, I have one of those. You know, a, a, you know, a, a, it just has to be a decent hand plane. I mean, at North Bennett, man, I've seen some stuff that you wonder... I mean, they had to, they had to, I call it for Matt Wade, we call it Matt juice. I don't know what's in Matt juice, but that's what you throw it in there to get rid of the rust. And man, it's this black gooey or ugly looking stuff. You throw it in the Matt juice. So we have, we have, I know that some guys have Stanley's that are over a hundred years old because there's some mm-hmm. kind of enough markings on there. That they can go back and date them. Okay. <laughs> and some people have Lee Nilsons and uh, I know people have some Clifton's. And um, since I work at Woodcraft, I hide my Lee Nelsons when I go there. But uh, I have Lee Nelsons and Woodcraft are the ones. I <laughs> and I, I like them both. And Shannon, um, the Renaissance woodworker, coined it best when he compared, I think it was four and a half from Lee Nelson and a four and a half from Wood River. The, the Lee Nel- they both work just dandy. And you can tune them up just dandy. But the Lee Nelson just seems to have a little more soul to it. It's uh, something about brass that makes my heart beat faster. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think that's I think that's well said. Yes, and so yes. When you, when you get to the to the to the lumber yard, what are you what are you using the hand plane for? Um, rough lumber is a little on the rough side, and if you're looking for figure, or if you're looking, um, sometimes you can see the figure in through the rough lines. I mean, I saw a piece at Hancock the other day that a, a colleague bought, and um, um, man, it was it was so figured. I mean, you, I mean, you'd have to be blind not to see it. But um, sometimes it's a little harder to see, you know, faint. Well, bird's eye maple can be tough at times, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, because what they call bird's eye maple may just be a couple of dots now and then. And so if you want mm-hmm. heavily figured, you, you, you want to make sure it's heavily figured and not just it kind of might be because the, the rough sawn lumber doesn't show up very well. Um, tiger maple could be a little tough at times, but um, usually you can still see it. Um, but bird's eye was the one I was looking for. And um, my hand plane, I usually take a number four, but I wouldn't have a problem taking a block plane. That wouldn't bother me easy. I'm not going to lug my number seven to the lumber yard. That's just mm-hmm. too 
plate to carry around. Yeah. So just taking a little couple of swipes, you can really see what the figure is you're getting. And I, I guess I would add to this is every lumber yard's a little bit different, but I never had anybody say I couldn't do that. But it is mm. a good mm. lumber yard etiquette. I mean, um, yeah, there there are yeah. Some places I you know they they won't let you lay the board on the ground because they don't want it picking up any dirt. So you should know mm. that based on the lumber yard, you should know what you can't do. And uh, they tend to like me because I kind of straighten the piles up before I leave. I don't leave them a big mess yeah. to clean up. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm. I must say that here in Houston, I, I go to this one lumber yard um, here that is absolutely fantastic. They let you, you can actually pull. They have like these um, basically metal buildings uh, where they have all their lumber and they're all in racks, and you can actually drive your truck into the building to load it up, hmm. um, which is nice. But That's what's nice. also, yeah, what's also nice is. As soon as I show up, I'll just drive. You know, I'll just drive my truck back into the yard, get out. I won't drive it into uh, into the actual building until I'm ready to load up. But I'll go in there and I'll look around and all this kind of stuff and see what's going on and uh, you know start looking at my boards. And within about five minutes, someone will come out and he'll actually help me go through the stacks. Yeah, you know, pull the boards out, do all this kind of stuff. So uh, we're kind of spoiled here in Houston. That's Clark's Hardwood. <laughs> uh if you if you want to know but uh yeah they're absolutely fantastic and yeah kyle don't you have the beer barns down there where you just drive your car in the barn and they tell them what you want out of the window and they throw the, <laughs> they, 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 throw the they throw the case of jack in your trunk for you and you pay them and leave they used to be a thing um it's not so much now but you get oh, into okay. some of the rural areas of texas and yeah you'll still see that but yeah <laughs> I, I remember those in austin texas when i was going to school yeah yeah most of those in the bigger cities have disappeared oh, okay yeah yeah i think there's something you know once they pass that you can't drink and drive rule i mean for a long time in texas <laughs> I, I swear oh, for a long time in texas you could still drink and drive i mean oh, not, not, not be drunk but you could have a beer but have oh, consumed yeah, yeah. I, I yeah. remember seeing a lady in her gold cadillac with a martini in her hand as she drove down highway <laughs> yeah yeah it used to be a thing but yeah since those laws changed, I think, around in the early to mid 80s. Uh, the beer barns kind of went out of favor, but you can still see them here and there. Yeah. yeah we we have like drive through convenience stores in that way. A few of them in yeah. my area. Yeah. You know. yeah. I just yeah. think, you know, if they're going to sell beer out of the barn, why not lumber? What the heck? We'll <laughs> <laughs> throw it in there for you. <laughs> Uh, but the moral of the story is know your lumber yard. You know, you know, like exactly. My my local one is legitimately like a father and son operation and daughter possibly, and mm -hmm. so they've got like they've got measuring tapes that you can use there on the racks. Like just pull it out and you know say like oh is this long enough? Is it wide enough? Thick enough? Whatever. Um, but I don't know. I personally have never carried a plane in there to know if if they'd be cool with me like shaving down. Although not a lot of it's rough cut, so. That's a whole other thing. So like, yeah. and know know your yard and know what you're you're going into, and just try not to tick off the proprietor. You know, as as you're in their place of business, you know, maybe discuss it before you bring out a sharp blade to you know to reveal what's below. Yeah, you know, it's just a good idea. They yeah. may not like it, but just just make a relationship, knowing that you're going to yes. come back there again, and it's not it's it's. It's not always about price. It's the quality of the product you get. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I'm not buying this for 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 lump sum. I'm you know purchasing this for a particular use, 
and I want to make well, sure material, I'm not getting things I don't need. Yeah, exactly. The material is key. It's, mm -hmm. Well, the material is going to be the cheapest thing that you put into your work. Your your yeah. time and your energy is worth far way more. Way more. You spend oh, yeah. on that Unless you're buying the most expensive, rare import CDs band material that you mm -hmm. can get. Uh, the wood is 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 very inconsequential. So it's worth paying more for a good relationship, a good quality material. Um, yeah, I don't I don't quibble with with lumber dealers over prices if they have good lumber. It's not worth it. So yeah, I I I, I agree with you all there. Mm -hmm. well, you know, Mark, that's a good point because um, I was uh, this oak that I was pulling out that I had bought in at Readers. Believe it or not, it was dead flat. I mean, like I I went to flatten it on the joiner, and it was a couple of swipes, okay, and only a couple because I had it set for like a thirty second of an inch, and I was too lazy to up the cut. <laughs> not that it's hard. It's not that it's hard to change the joiner. I was just I just I just like taking my time and taking a little bit at a time. Mm -hmm. but, um, but it was, it was, it was, it, you know, it wasn't twisted, it wasn't cupped, it wasn't warped. So good lumber, you know, flat, um, somewhat parallel sides. Um, any avoid twisted stuff if you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, bring us home, Rex. What's the last thing? Okay, the last thing is this. It's it's a little long, so bear with me. But um, at North Bennett, there are five steps to creating fine furniture. Okay or five, not five steps, but there are five parts of your project. And, and, I, and I'll explain, I'll, I'll just list them. I, we can talk about them later if you want to, or you can, we, or not. Have a plan. That's number one. Number two, select your, num your lumber carefully for your project. Not each project requires the same amount of scrutiny and not every project needs the same type of, of lumber. So just pick it, pick it carefully or thoughtfully is probably a better way to say it. You have milling, jointing, and shaping. That would be step three. Step four is cleanup of your project and preparation for your finish. And then number five would be applying your finish. The, the tip is of those five things, I encourage you to pick just one place in each one of them every year. Just set a goal and say, hey, I'm going to do better in designing my plans i'm gonna i'm gonna actually draw instead of just whip it out of my head and do it as i can if you do that you're going to find your level of your of your projects will increase every year they'll get better and better pick a pick a finish technique like i keep thinking of the peter galbert or of peter galbert he's got a, this wonderful series on milk paint but I think they're current and good because I don't know any better because I haven't studied it, but Peter's been studying it really hard for the last year. And he says they're, they're outdated and he needs to upgrade his, his milk paint videos. So, mm. um, you know, do something like that. Even, even, even a master um, that, you know, Peter could probably say, Hey, I'm really good at what I do and I'm going to sell chairs and I'm going to teach and he wouldn't have to learn anything, but he spends a lot of time studying and improving his craft. And so he gets his stuff, his products get better and better. Another case would be Mark, the, the Brian Boggs chair that you're interested in. Um, that chair, if you, if you go to fine woodworking, there's a video on how that chair evolved. You know, Brian was doing great with his, with his other chairs, but this one, he really, you know, he spent a lot of time in the designing and thought that, and there were a lot of prototypes to get there. It's a beautiful chair. And yeah. even a master like Brian made that chair better. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I think that's part of what sets the masters apart from 
regular guys like me is that they, they, they keep trying to improve their craft. Mm-hmm. That's number five. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's super important. I mean, if you can not worry about making every, you know, the whole thing better, but making about one thing better each time you go through it or each step you take, you're going to improve in the long run, right? Like that's, that's so important to not just go through the motions and, and maybe accept mediocrity. You can get better if you try to improve each step of the way or one step of the way every time you do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Com- that- compounding interest of skill. There you so, go. Yeah. Compounding hey, that's interest great. of skill. That is a really nice term. <laughs> Hey, you should copyright that. Yeah. <laughs> I probably stole it from somebody else. I don't know. <laughs> I, 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 I can say I've never heard it, you know, displayed in that way. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah you don't have to get, you don't have to become an expert overnight. You can't. Can't do it. It's yeah, you can't. I mean, legitimately, you yeah. can't. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. I don't care if you're trying to be a better golfer, woodworker, teacher. It, you can't do it overnight. No. It's, it's that whole... 10,000 hour type thing. Yeah. But, but it's not only that, but it's after you've reached that 10,000 hours, you got to keep going at it, keep trying to improve. Right, find something, some small avenue to pursue. Yeah. That you have given enough attention to. Yeah. Exactly. Like the benefits of stropping. So, <laughs> <laughs> with that said, so folks, uh, where can uh, folks find you on the interwebs, Rex? You can find me on Instagram at, at R-E-X-H-A-N-S-E-N. Fantastic. Mark, what about yourself? Uh, you can find all things workbenches or shape horse at plate11.com, hand tool woodworking instruction at jointeffort.net. And um, I'm posting pictures about making shape horses on Instagram right now at Mark Build It. <laughs> awesome. Kyle, how about you? Uh, you, can, you can find me on Instagram at barton.kyle or bbcustomtools at bbcustomtools.com. Or on YouTube under BB Custom Tools and Kyle Barton. I might actually have some videos that might have been posted by now, but probably not. So, (laughs) John, what about yourself? Uh, You can find me at SeanW78 on most social medias. And that just about wraps it up for this show. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show on the podcatcher of your choice. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. And while you're there, please leave us a review. You can follow us on Instagram at MWA underscore podcast. And if you'd like to support the podcast, go over to patreon.com slash MWA podcast. But the best thing you can do is tell a friend. Word of mouth goes a long way in sharing our discussion.